You are listening to a podcast from gravitychurch.com, Lodi, California. Vacation is one of those weird things where when you go on vacation um, and you come back, you just really wish you had never gone on vacation to begin with because life didn't stop. And as soon as you get back in the place, it's just crazy uh, busy and you've got all of these things on top of the things that you didn't do the week before. And, um, but last Saturday night was a pretty cool night here. Um, I listened to the podcast of, of what Dustin shared last week, and um, the New Divide was with us last week, and it was just an amazing thing to be able to see what God's doing in the hearts of people and, and to hear all the stories of people expressing the things that God was doing in their life that was a little bit different because maybe they don't get the opportunity all the time to operate in those uh, dynamics and in those situations and in those roles. It was pretty cool to hear those testimonies and to hear those different, um, I guess, opportunities unfold before us. One of the things that I love to do when I go on vacation is I love to do some mindless reading. You know, the kind where you just grab a novel and you just get lost in it and you just, you know, you find the character and you find the complexity of the plot and you just, you really try to just get lost in the story that you're reading. And in the busyness of life, a lot of times, I don't really get a chance to read, um, you know, brain candy type novels. And so when you're on vacation, you get the, the luxury to be able to kind of do that. But stories are really, really cool, and they, they grab all of us in different ways. And over the course of the last six months or so, we've been talking about the story of God. We've been talking about the way that God has portrayed his story for all of us. We've talked about all the way through scripture how we can see the tale that God has told. I remember this last week I was talking to a new friend of mine, his name's Mike, and he was telling me about his family and how they were one of the original families that came to Lodi. And he was telling me about how the family had written down genealogy type stuff of of things that they could hand off and pass down from one person to the next and how valuable it is to this family and how they love reading and they love reading the stories of, of how the original piece of property was signed by the President of the United States and, and, and all these just really cool things. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about God's story. I was thinking about how we have such an incredible story that we find ourselves in. You know, many of you have seen on, on the, uh, uh, the internet our podcasts and And I encourage you to go back and and listen to some of these podcasts because in Ephesians chapter 1, I want to read this scripture to you. In Ephesians 1, it says, God's secret plan has now been revealed to us. It is a plan centered on Christ, designed long ago according to his good pleasure. And this is his plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. God's secret plan. It's pretty crazy to think about how big of a story we really find ourselves in. It's very easy for us sometimes to get caught up in the day-to-day life and caught up in the day-to-day things that we go through. But when we go all the way back to the, the beginning in the creation, the very first thing that we talked about was the creation of the world. We talked about the heart of God wanting to have a relationship with us. And he made it perfect. Everything about it was perfect. It didn't have anger, it didn't have sickness, it didn't have 
fighting and bitterness. Our bodies didn't break down. There wasn't decay and all the things that we deal with. There was no sin. And we talked about how God, in his heart, intended for that to be what we lived and what we knew him as in that perfect scene. We went on from there, and we talked about how because of sin that we had that relationship with God broken. And the Bible literally says that we were taken like captives and that Jesus had to come as a ransom for us. And we talked about how it would be like somebody getting kidnapped and how somebody was held hostage and how the price had to be paid and how Christ came and did that for us. We moved on and we talked about how God was so misunderstood throughout creation. We talked about how God throughout history was viewed as somebody that was angry and that didn't want to be near people. And God tried through all kinds of different prophets and through all kinds of different methods to get close to people, but he couldn't do it. He had to send Jesus. We talked about how Christ came as that bridge for us. He came to give us an opportunity to be made new again, to be reborn, to be able to have that chance to be able to connect with God in that perfect environment, in that perfect relationship, though it's still tainted by sin. But we have that opportunity to know God through Jesus. And then finally, we talked about what it means to be reconciled to God. We talked about the fact that at God's heart, he wanted us to be close to him. He wanted those things that were far apart to be brought back together again and be reconciled and connected again. And that brings us to where we sit here tonight. See, in God's story, in God's timeline, there's all kinds of different characters, all kinds of different twists in the plot that we can see. But you and I are characters in this story. We play a role. We play a part. And many of us, if we look at our lives tonight and we're honest, we look at our life as something that isn't worth telling. We look at our life story as something that's not valuable or something that's not worth rehashing. And yet when God sees us, he sees something that has the potential to be life-changing and beautiful. And that when we come to him and we offer our life, or in some cases, the fragments of what's left of our life, like a potter with clay, he begins to shape it and mold it and make it into something that's beautiful. And this room right now is split with a little bit of both. There are some of you here tonight who have experienced the beauty of giving your life to God and letting him be the potter and you be the clay and seeing what he would shape and fashion and make. But some of us still are in that place where we don't know that we can even believe that it's real, that we can even accept that it's something that applies to me. And so tonight, we find ourselves in a lot of different places on this map, on this, on this spectrum. And I want to share a scripture with you that's found in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, And verse 17, it says, what this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore, for the old life is gone and a new life has begun. 
All this newness of life is from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task of reconciling the world to himself. God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message that he has given us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors as God, as if God is using us to speak to you. So we urge you as though Christ himself were here pleading with you, be reconciled to God. We are God's connectors. We are God's reconcilers. We are the ones who have the opportunity to connect people to God through our lives and through our stories and through our tragedies and through our pain and through all of the different things that have happened in our life. We carry in us the message of God. Think about that for a second. You and I, who call ourselves a follower of Jesus, carry within us something that has the potential to compel somebody else to change their life. We carry in us the message of God. You know, this last week when we were on vacation, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been on a cruise before, but it's a really trippy experience. It's like one of those kind of surreal events where, um, you know, you're, you're in like never, never land. You know, it's just like they try to make this whole fantasy thing for you, so it's really exciting and fun. But one of the greatest things about it is that when you walk around and you see things, you have access to all of it. When we got on this big old boat, there was this guy that came walking by me that had an ice cream cone in his hand. Now, typically, when you see somebody out and about with an ice cream cone in your hand, you're like, oh, man, that sounds kind of good. Maybe we should go get an ice cream cone. But when you're on the cruise boat, the rules are different. You walk up to the, perfectly stra- the perfect stranger, you don't know his name or anything, you're like, hey, dude, where'd you get that? Because I want one, too. It's one of these really trippy things where it's like everything that you see, you have access to because everybody's in the same place. I want to think about where you and I sit here tonight. And, you, and I think about the, the way we see ourselves. We usually fall into a couple of different categories. The first category is we usually see ourselves as somebody who has been through a lot of stuff in this life and doesn't really want to talk about it. Because you lived it, but you don't really want to rehash it. A couple weeks ago, we talked about secrets. We talked about the truth of God invading our life and going to the very core of who we are as people and even going to those secret places that we don't want to talk about. And we talked about how much freedom there is when we let those things out. And we talked about how much bondage it brings when we hide them. We talk about how it leads to a life of deception. It leads to a life of deceit and how we begin to tell lies because at the core, there's something inside of us that we just can't talk about or something that we just don't want people to know. And how when we begin to unearth the things in our heart, God begins to come in with his truth and bring freedom. And it's an incredible experience when we go go through that. I want us to step back for a moment tonight And I want us to look at our lives, and I want us to see where we find ourselves in God's story. Because tonight is a really special night. It's a very unique night. Um, 
many of you know that have been coming here on Saturday nights for a while that God has given us some very specific instructions. He's asked us to primarily create a place that we can reach after the one lost sheep of this world who the story in the Bible says that the shepherd left to go after and showed the great love that he had for them. We want to create a place where we can compel that one lost sheep to come to Jesus and to create an environment where they feel loved and welcome. But on the flip side of the instructions that we feel like God's given us, an equal mandate to be somebody and to be a, a group of people who learn how to share, who learn how to connect, who learn how to go into the world at large and find the kingdom of God in all of the places that it exists and connect the dots. We've been doing that every month by bringing nonprofits and other ministries that we believe in before you. The 180 Teen Center is a great example of that, of a place that we love their vision and we love their heart. And we want God to use that place in any way that we can connect with them and make their vision go further. We want to do that for them. But during the course of this time when God has been laying out for us this incredibly huge story, one of the things that we started to realize is that God has given us this building as an incredible resource for the kingdom of God. And so we've been looking for God to bring to us like-minded churches and like-minded pastors and leaders who share the gospel in its simplicity and its truth with a desire to want to build the kingdom of God and not with a desire to want to build a name for themselves. We've got three different churches currently meeting in this building on a weekly basis. And we believe that in three different churches and in three different ways, God is casting nets to try to compel people to come to him. Next month, in two weeks, we're going to add a fourth church. And many of you know, we've been announcing this, but Reality Church of Stockton is going to be using this building on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock to launch a Lodi church. And we are so excited to be able to not just host what they're doing here in Lodi, but to be able to connect in a spiritual sense and network with them and to be able to help them achieve the vision that God has given to their heart. We're going to be joining them Easter Sunday morning as God has opened incredible doors for them to be able to reach the city of Stockton down at the waterfront. God's done incredible things because God has an incredible plan, an incredible story. And I'm going to invite Pastor Josh Kaler to come up here now. And he's going to come and he is going to share for a few moments with us the incredible vision that God has given to him and to the church that they, that they are part of in Stockton. Would you guys welcome Pastor Josh? There you go, brother. Hey guys, my name's Josh, and uh, we started Reality Stockton in September 2007. Long way getting there, though, and I want to back up just a little bit uh, because Stockton is a place that has 300 churches, and uh, some just off the hook doing uh, what God uh, wants them to do, and uh, yeah. So one of the questions I was asked to us was, why does Stockton need another church? Why does Lodi need another church? And, and so I just kind of want to tell you our heart and the whole reason that we're doing this because it truly isn't to bring something that's uh, dry bones, religious, and uh, 
just to do that all over again. And so um, we never heard of Stockton. I grew up in Southern California, was born down there. And uh, my parents uh, were thinking of moving to Northern California because of my dad's work. He worked for the state of California. Uh, I was seven years old, and so the only place that was open at the time was Stockton. We had never heard of it, never had any idea of what it was like. Uh, We heard that there were big boats there, and we looked at the map, and it was like in the middle of the valley, and we're like, how does that happen? So uh, we had to go see it and take a look at it for ourselves, and so uh, we took a trip up. My parents brought me uh, to kind of just tag along with them and left my other uh, brothers and sister uh, uh, with family. And, and so we made our way up and we stopped off a of Waterloo Road and we were going to crash for the night because it was late. And we stayed at a Motel 6. And, and I have to tell you, I, I got sick that night and uh, I, I had a vision as a kid. Uh, I, I'm not a vision guy. I don't, uh, you know, I have visions every day. I've only had one actually. And and this was the vision, and it was uh, as if it happened yesterday. And so, Jesus came into the hotel room, and he took me by the hand. He took me downstairs, and the street was cold, and it was night, and people were everywhere. And we began to make our way down the streets of Stockton, down alleyways and neighborhoods. And I was just stoked because this is the Jesus I've heard about. But something that began to happen is everybody who looked and saw Christ, everybody who looked and saw Jesus, fell down on their knees and began to weep over their sins, began to repent and began to just worship Jesus. Everybody. Everywhere we went, it was the same. From every race, tribe, tongue, and nation, old, young, uh, rich, poor, everybody fell on their face when they saw Christ, the whole city, uh, worshiping, praising, repenting uh, over sin, the whole city saved. Jesus took me back upstairs and uh, took me, laid me in bed and uh, left. As soon as he was out the door, I threw off the covers and I grabbed and shook my mom and dad, awoke, uh, woke them up and said, Jesus just came and got me and we went all over. And they're like, what, you don't know Stockton? I know Stockton now, you know, I've got it, you know, kind of a thing. And, and, and so my parents on that packed everything up and we moved to Stockton. And uh, we've uh, kind of been here ever since and uh, waiting for the Lord to move in such a way. And uh, I kind of grew up kind of like Jonah, um, not really liking the city of Stockton, not seeing God move like that and just really beginning to hate it, couldn't wait to get out of it. And so... Uh, the time came for, you know, I got married. We were commuting at that time to a church in Modesto, and so we just moved to Modesto. I don't know how that's an upgrade, but okay. Uh, and so uh, I lived there for a while, got involved in a church there, and then uh, God moved us out. Always in the back of my mind was like, God, are you going to call me to Stockton? Please don't do it. And, uh, you know, send somebody else. The vision is for somebody else, you know. And so amazingly, though, uh, as God moved us out, we were driving through it one day to vacation up in Tahoe, and uh, it was time. And uh, so me and my wife started doing all our shopping in Stockton, began to talk to the people of Stockton. We fell in love with the city. We couldn't get enough of it. Uh, and uh, to this day, it's the Central Valley, this line, this this area, it feels like the place we can breathe, take a deep breath, and 
uh, and it's been amazing. And so as we looked, we said, okay, we're going to start a church. God wants us to start a church. And how do we do that? We have no idea. And so uh, at that time, there was a pastor uh, down at a place called Reality Carpinteria. It's between Santa Barbara and Ventura, a little surf town. And, and uh, we loved what the Lord was doing through there, kind of a young generation thing happening and, and, and the Lord blessing all generations through the young generation. And so we moved down there and uh, spent two years there. And then God, uh, 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 with Reality Carpinteria's help, sent us uh, out, and we started in September 2007. And so uh, I just want to briefly share the vision. That's kind of how we ended up there. And, and the reason why we're coming to Lodi, why another church, uh, I believe that the vision is for a point in time. I believe it's for now. And I believe in a big God, and I believe that God wants to take these cities. I believe that God can do it. And I believe that we're not coming in as, as and this is something, you know, uh, a brand new that he's just starting out, but I believe that all the saints who've been praying throughout the generations, God has heard their cry, and he's moving on a people for such a time as this. And I so desperately, desperately believe that the time is now. And so God has given us, uh, like the vision, that we're supposed to go everywhere, that we're supposed to take him. We're not supposed to make it about a church. We're not supposed to make it about uh, this or, or that. We're to keep it simple. It's what I love about this place. And to make it about Jesus and him alone and his love and his mercy and his compassion for everybody. And so, uh, uh, so we look at that. We've, like the city uh, of Stockton's divided, uh, uh, Stockton up into 38 different sections. We want to be in all 38. Uh, we want to go into all the city. And uh, they're all going to look different. It's all going to look different. And then the Lord's called us to Lodi. If we pray a lot. Uh, basically, to quote somebody, he said, we're not smart. We're just ruthless uh, and relentless. And uh, that's it. Not ruthless, but relentless. And, and that sense is we pray a lot. And God's led us uh, to Lodi. And God's knit our hearts uh, with, uh, with Jason and, and gravity here. And it's been amazing to find somebody else like-minded who loves Jesus and loves his people. And uh, so we desire to take the gospel uh, into each neighborhood. We've looked, and uh, how do you turn a neighborhood? We've taken 10 square blocks and said, we want to plant a church right in the middle of there, and we want that whole church's world to be that 10 square blocks. Everything they do, all the outreach, all the community groups, everything that happens until that neighborhood is turned upside down for Jesus uh, and so what happens is, yeah, as that starts to happen in the next 20, 30 years, I don't know, we're going to go hard is uh, pretty soon as neighborhoods begin to turn around uh, and the people in it come to know Jesus, then what starts to happen is the whole city and the whole fabric of the city begins to change. And so our heart is just to follow the Lord uh, and uh, just to make it about Him, that He would be the famous one. Uh, and so we look and we say, God, this is much <laughs> bigger than us. It's much bigger than gravity, but it's what you are calling us to do because as Jason shared, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's put it in us in the same way that we've been shown so much love, so much grace, so much mercy, so much compassion. As the Apostle Paul would say, he said, is the love of Christ that compels me. 
It, it's the motivation to go out and to reach other people because of the love that we've received. It's so great. It's so big. It's so infinite that we can't hold it in. It leaps out of us. And, uh, and so uh, we long to do that. We, oh man, we want it to be about Jesus. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of that's the vision. That's kind of the deal. That's kind of why we're coming to Lodi. We're following the Lord. And uh, we love people because he loves people. We love grace because he saved us by grace. And, uh, and so uh, we pray and we pray and we pray that everyone uh, comes to the Lord. And so it's been beautiful to see how the Lord's knit us together. And it's amazing. So thanks, Thank guys. You, thanks for listening. Thanks, Greg. Bible. Many of you know that when I was a little boy, my earliest recollections as a child are of being on the streets of Stockton, loving people that didn't feel like they were worthy of being loved. My earliest recollections of church come from a very non-traditional setting. My parents and my grandparents opened a coffee shop in Stockton back before Starbucks was even heard of. And on Friday and Saturday nights, they would invite Christian rock bands to come in and play their music. And they would open up the doors. And all of the people that were cruising up and down Pacific Avenue back in the day before California knew better and told us it was illegal to take your muscle car down Pacific Avenue, everybody was doing it. And there was this place called the Jungle, right behind Burger King on Pacific Avenue where all the cars would turn around. And it was called the Jungle because that's where everybody was partying and that's where all the fights were and that's where everything was going on. That's where the good times were at. And they opened up their coffee shop right next door to the Jungle. And they began to see people come to Jesus. Josh just shared about the spiritual heritage and the spiritual seeds of people that have gone before us I want to tell you something that when God was telling Josh as a young boy, 12 years old, about the city of Stockton, God was showing him a glimpse of a story that had been written thousands and thousands of years before. And we find ourselves in the middle of that story here today, 20-something years later, because God's story hasn't finished yet. He's just getting started. And we have an opportunity to be able to be a part of what God is doing. And it is not about the colors that we wear. It's not about the church name and the sign that we go to. It's not about who your pastor is. It's not about any of those things. It's about one thing and one thing only. We belong to Jesus. We belong to him. A couple years ago, my wife... And I went to Southern Cal or South Carolina on the East Coast, and we went to a family reunion in the South. It's pretty crazy. I've never been over there before. It was different. That's all I'll say. But when those people saw me, they didn't know me from anybody, but I was family to them. I was their California cousin that they had never met. And they embraced us with warm open arms. They embraced us with the love of family. And I want us to embrace reality 
in that same way as our family. Because this is the family of God. And we are a part of the kingdom of God. And I believe that in the last days, for that vision that, that God has shown Josh and has shown others to take place, it's got to stop being about what church I belong to. And it's got to start being about who I belong to. It's about Jesus. I want to do something tonight for them. Look up on the screen at Psalms chapter 40. Put up that next scripture for me. Psalms chapter 20. This is a, this is a scripture that David wrote for a king that was getting ready to go to battle. He was getting ready to go fight a war. And he wrote this song to say to the king. He said, may he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and we will fly banners to honor God and may the Lord answer all your prayers. And Josh, I'd like for you to stand up here tonight, brother, and, and your, team, your leaders here. If you're here from reality tonight, would you just stand up? And the rest of us here tonight, would you read these words with me as we pronounce them over this church that God is bringing into this community? Can we say this to them as a prayer of blessing? Say it with me. May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory. Flying banners to honor God. May the Lord answer all your prayers. Let's pray. God, tonight we come before you. Jesus, we are grateful for all that you mean to us, God. For the, for the enormous gift of grace that you have shown to us. And tonight, God, has been a night that's been a little unscripted and a little different. But God, no matter what we've done, we are here because of one thing and one thing only. Because there is a love that is so strong that it compels us like gravity toward your heart. And you never stop pulling and you never stop drawing us and you never stop bidding us to come. And so God, tonight, we want to respond to that overwhelming love of God. God, as we come to these communion stations tonight, as we come tonight, God, to these places, these sacred places, God, we pray that you would open our hearts to the reality of the gift, the reality of the sacrifice, the reality of the plan of God. Lord, every single week, things bombard our lives that make us forget what is most important to us. And so God, every single week, we come back to these tables of communion to realign our priorities and to say, Jesus, you are the most important thing to us. And so God, tonight, I just pray that as we take these next few moments, that God, you would speak to us, that you would be with us, God, that you would love us, that you would deal with us, that you would discipline us, that you would father us, that you would parent us. You know what we need. You know what we need. So God, I pray that as we take these moments, you would do it. You've been listening to GravityChurch.com.